Come here. Pinhead, come here. No. Oh, uh, gotta go. See you later, Dititty. Uh, Demita. Okay. thought you were going to play with my frog. We don't kick some butt. We be kicking some ass. Let's say we're on a plane to New York. Would we be fly on a plane to New York? Well, that depends on what we're wearing. If our files got crossed, I'd be Jim and that would be Kevin. But we run a tighter ship here at the Pool Scene Podcast than what's seen in today's movie. So I'm Kevin. That's Jim. Jim, how are you? Yo, what's up? All right. Uh, <laughs> before we... Classic! Before we move any further, uh, we do have a prompt for you, Pool Sceners. Please head to Pool Scene Podcast on Instagram, where we will be uploading a video for hashtag Pool 100. Thank you to everyone who participated and suggested movies. What we will be doing, Jim, is uh, spinning a wheel, a wheel of death, a, a prize wheel. Wheel of, nobody, I'm not, nobody's getting killed. There's not going to be a murder. Uh, then I don't want to do it anymore. <laughs> uh, Screw it. So that video will be us spinning the wheel to reveal what we will be covering on next week's first ever Viewer's Choice episode. I'm excited. This could be anything. This could be something that we never thought of ever watching on this show, and it'll be interesting. And it's going to be fun either way. Maybe maybe we'll think of some special things to do. Yeah. Uh, change it up for the Viewer's Choice Maybe we'll episode. record it naked. So if you didn't figure it out, we no are... No comment on that, huh? No. <laughs> no, no. We are doing class act today, not naked. After House Party naked. 1 and 2, but before House Party 3, there was 1992's Class Act. Class Act was directed by Randall Miller, who has done some cool stuff in television and a movie I watch on VHS all the time that I also saw in theaters, The Sixth Man, starring Marlon Wayans and Kareem Hardison. Ugh. Kadeem Hardison. Never seen it. Really? No, never seen it. Oh my God, it's great. It's the Washington Huskies and a player dies while trying to dunk. He dunks and he slips off the rim and he dies. And then he comes back as a ghost to help his basketball team in the NCAA tournament. So it's kind of like the sixth day with Arnold Schwarzenegger. No. Okay. More like angels in the outfield. I remember that one. Uh, but about the NCAA tournament and March Madness. So this movie is the last time that we see kids signature high top fade. Actually, the new hairstyle is worked into the plot. He gets some uh, twists and they're worked into the plot. The high top fade being a staple of 1992 fashion. Jim, why don't you tell us about the budget box office and what was happening in 1992 in addition to the high top fade? Okay, so in 1992, Class Act made actually $13.2 million it made on only a $7.5 million budget. It probably ended up breaking even, I would assume, because it looked like they filmed this on the Warner Brothers backlot. As tonight, as of this recording, there is the vice presidential debate. Ironically enough, on this date in 1992, Dan Quayle's infamous spelling of potato was made national news because he put an E at the end of potato. P-O-T-A-T-O-E. Don't you, got don't a lot you of shit miss for that. those days when things like spelling potato wrong and a tan suit was the worst you could do? That was the biggest controversy. Tan suits, now potato. Now an actual white supremacist Nazi. Who has a virus who's killing multiple people. And then, the next, and then you can just, you know, not pay taxes. Nah. It's. I guess what happens is when you do something every single day, nobody dwells on the bad news because You're just used the next to it. day, there's just something else coming. Pretty much. And that's how it is. Speaking of the next day, 
your favorite artist, Billy Joel, finally gets his high school diploma from Hicksville High at 43 years of age. Hicksville High. Hicksville High in Pennsylvania. Wait, 43 years of age? 43. What an idiot. He got his GED, apparently. Now, the big, big thing in 1992 were the Barcelona Olympic Games, where we saw the debut of the Dream Team. However, there was a hell of a Reebok ad back in the day. Dan versus Dave. Dan won the decathlon at the World Track and Field Championships. Dave won the decathlon at the Goodwill Games. This summer, they'll battle it out in Barcelona for the title of world's greatest athlete. Problem is, didn't live up to the hype. Dan O'Brien got eliminated in the pole vault during the decathlon at the Barcelona Olympic Games, which ruined the entire campaign. And uh, Michael Johnson at those Olympics, right? No, it was in Atlanta in 96 was the big Michael Johnson thing. Speaking of amazing athletes, last week, if you guys heard our Grind episode, make sure you check it out on Apple and Spotify. Kevin and I realized how great Alan Jackson was. So from here on out, I'm going to give you an Alan Jackson update. Oh, that's awesome. And this time in 1992... Alan Jackson only had one concert at the Tarrant County Fairgrounds, according to ConcertArchives.com. Huh, wonder. Only one concert. He must have been doing... uh, Prime prime and the pump. Ocean fishing. (laughs) He's too busy. The number one movie in America was uh, an excellent movie starring Harrison Ford, Patriot Games. Okay. little Tom Clancy movie. And the number one song in America, surprisingly, was not in this movie class act. However, it was Chris Cross's Jump Yeah, was the number one song in America. And that is what happened around this time in 1992. Okay. With that said, let me tell you the story of Duncan Penderhughes and Blade Brown. Class act. Duncan Penderhughes is a genius. Oppenheimer, Dr. Martin, from the bottom of my heart, speaking as a third generation Penderhughes, this is the culmination of a lifelong dream. Perfect SAT score, 4.0, so on and so on. However, he is in jeopardy of not graduating high school and getting into his dream college, Hafford, unless he passes physical education, phys ed gym class. <laughs> the world-renowned Hafford University. They need him to pass gym or he can't go to their school. Nope. Which I'm going to talk about later because... They seem to be real critical of him and then real easy on some others. On the other side of the coin is Michael Blade Brown. Get lost, pinder piss, and don't mess her up. Now go. Blade is released from jail on the condition from his parole officer that he must graduate high school. Hell yeah, Rick Dukeman is the parole officer. The Duke. Unknown to the characters, a hallway collision causes their files and file photos to get swapped resulting in the school thinking that Duncan is Blade the criminal and Blade is Duncan the genius. Kind of a logic issue there. Yeah. Blade quickly realizes that there's a mix-up after he's placed in all the gifted classes and his teacher tries to have sexual intercourse with him. Uh, but after he's... <laughs> but after... Carla he, from Cheers. He sees this as an opportunity to satisfy the terms of his parole and graduate. Blade tells Duncan he's going to continue to be Blade and pass all of his classes. The catch is... Blade doesn't want Duncan damaging his reputation as this... What is his reputation? Blade's reputation? He's the flyest brother. He's whatever he calls himself. He will fuck your world up if you cross him. So he doesn't want Duncan ruining that reputation. We get a makeover montage because basically Blade says, Duncan, if you're going to be me, you can't look like that with the gravity defying high top fade. So he gives him like the twists, like we said, worked into the plot, gives him all new clothes. Silk, silk, and more silk. Yeah, so new hair, new clothes, new vocabulary, dance lessons, gives him his truck, which I can't remember the name of. Lucy. 
Lucille. Lucille. Duncan's parents fear that Blade may be Duncan's boyfriend. Remember that this was 1992 and that was still a commonly used trope. And ironically, Meshach Taylor, who played Duncan's dad, did play a gay character in oh. Mannequin, which yep. we have sealed right next to us. Yes. Hollywood. After this, Blade actually does well and sort of excels in the advanced classes due to his unique point of view and his street knowledge. He brings a fresh perspective. Duncan, however, has some trouble with a bully named Wedge, who looks like he's 46 years old. He might be. Yo, Demita, I thought you were going to play with my frog. He finds out that he really doesn't need Blade's help to pass Fizz Ed because he has insane field goal kicking ability. He's the foot. He can use physics on the fly to calculate the kick. Wind speed. And then he, even though he can't dance at all, being shown the steps, he can just look at a football, look at the uprights. Kick the shit out of it. And then do the, the hand-eye or hand-foot or head-foot, whatever it is, coordination to be able to kick that ball perfectly. Later, Duncan and Blade, well, actually, not even later, pretty quickly, both get girlfriends. So Blade as Duncan, a smart girl in his class, and we'll get to it in a minute with characters. Duncan as Blade starts dating Demita, (laughs) who he accidentally calls Da Titty at one point. Uh, Wedge works for a drug dealer named Mink, and when Wedge is facing his own mortality, essentially, because Mink's going to kill him for not having the money, he blames Blade Brown and says that Blade's been stepping into his territory, and he's actually the one causing Mink to not get his money. So Mink, along with his weird goons... (laughs) Crispin Glover, silk-wearing motherfucker. uh, He decides to take care of Blade, which is actually Duncan, and they kidnap him. They basically... And then the rest of the crew, Blade as Duncan, the girlfriends and a popsicle since i will be harassing you the entire semester you should at least know my name how you doing my name is popsicle i'll chase them down overnight Mm. mind you a 24-hour car chase and this leads to a chase and a cat and mouse scene that ends at a wax museum where demita works and this is where they find out madame lawanda's madame lawanda's yes this is where they find out that Blade is actually Duncan and Duncan is actually Blade and immediately they're both dumped. They get away from Mink and Wedge and the weird goons except police show up and they all get arrested. So Duncan's been telling the story the whole movie and this is where we catch up to where his story is basically. Mm -hmm. He's been telling this it's kind of a time travel yeah, movie. He's been telling this whole story to a cop at jail. So after the mix-ups corrected, Rick Dukeman, as a parole officer, comes and releases them all from jail. And in order to fix the whole thing, Duncan gets the idea that they need to compete in the Knowledge Bowl. And this is all kind of an anti-climax. So yeah, because you thought the movie was going to end. at but the Wax Museum. Yeah. But then it doesn't. And then Blade joins Duncan in the Knowledge Bowl to try and win back his girlfriend. Blade wins the Knowledge Bowl by answering a tiebreaker question about Shakespeare and orgasms that he knew because Ellen told him on their first date. Oh, so in his time, to die the way he used it meant to have a sexual orgasm. <laughs> Yo, hold up. My man Shakespeare was rapping about popping in some girl's coochie. Shortly after, Duncan's dad walks in on Duncan having sex with his girlfriend, Demita, <laughs> and the dad celebrates... <laughs> that Duncan is not gay. He has himself quite a celebration. There is also another voiceover epilogue or an epilogue where you see them in front of a white screen and we find out the craziest shit is that Blade attends Hafford 
which was Duncan's dream school. And Duncan went to Stanford on a football scholarship. Mm -hmm. What the fuck? Yep. So, Jim, unless you have anything else to add to plot, let's get into the characters. I got nothing whatsoever, but I will say before we get into the characters, this has to be the most diverse movie I've ever seen in my life. The school. In the school itself. I mean, black, white. Puerto Rican, everybody just metalheads, metalheads, Polly Shore, Polly Shore's there. (laughs) So characters, we have uh, Christopher Reed, Christopher Kid Reed, which is Kid playing Duncan Penderhughes, Christopher play Martin play playing Michael Charles Blade Brown, Karen Parsons as Ellen, which you'll know as Hillary from Fresh Prince. Mm -hmm. Thomas McCall Ford is Mink. He's in Martin. Martin. Tommy. Tommy. Rick Dukeman, who we love. We Duke. Some point we'll cover all Rick Dukeman movies on this podcast. And then who else we have? Dougie Doug plays Popsicle. He's good. Lamont Johnson plays Wedge. Again, he looks like Zion Williamson, if you haven't seen this movie. Yeah, that's an excellent point. Uh, Meshach Taylor as Mr. Pender Hughes. <laughs> Pauly Shore, he plays Julian Thomas. Out of nowhere, Pauly yeah, Shore showed weird up. weird that he's in this movie. And then Skip Wankman <laughs> as the game show host, Sam McMurray. You might know him. Oh, he's and in a ton of shit. Rhea Perlman, which is weird that she's in this. Amor, Omnia, Vinkit. Love conquers all. Latin. It's the father of all romance languages. So, Jim, with that said, which actor or actress gives a passable performance? Does any non-lead character still see? Oh, what? Besides the Duke? Oh, I'm looking for Blade Brown. Anyone seen him? Tell him Juby Dick Riker's looking for him. You remember that? Uh, That's one word each. Juby Dick Riker. Got it? As the P.O.? P.O. Riker? He's perfect for that. Oh, role. he's beyond perfect. It's just his voice, his tenor, his character base is it's phenomenal. I'll tell you real quick. I'll tell you who I like. His Go characters. for it. Is Blade Brown's friends, Fruity and Gogo. Oh, they're the best. Fruity and Gogo. I don't think have any lines in this movie, but man, we could all dream and wish to have friends like Fruity and Gogo. Mm-hmm. These dudes are there when they're windbreaking jumpsuits all the time. They'll beat the shit out of somebody they're, for you. They'll teach you how to dance. They're at the school function where yep. they rap. They're, you know, at the wax museum helping to try and find Duncan. Yep. They're trying to help teach Duncan how to dance. They're in the club. Like, they're everywhere. Fruity and Gogo always have blades back yes. and it's awesome. Those are good characters. To me, though, it's it, it's got to be kid. It's got to be original Duncan yeah. Penderhughes because you got to think it's the way play played his character. No pun intended. He kind of played it as himself. Right. Kid playing Duncan had to come out of a shell and kind of be more of a hard he edge. A great performance. Like Thug does yeah. a fucking over the top. Tries to go, you know, above and beyond what his character can actually do or like the dinner scene, for instance, where he finally steps up. It's really good. I think he stands out entirely. I would say Kid's definitely the better actor between Kid and Play. Yeah, I agree. And I'd even say during the rap performance that Kid's probably the better rapper also. Yeah. Oh, yeah. This is another hype one for you. I don't know if I want to say more charisma, but he definitely gives a better performance, I think. And like I told you, I've this is the only kid and play movie I ever saw. I'd never seen any of the house party movies. You should change that. If you I, like I need to. if you like class act, it it's a lot different, but you would like house party. And the one has do you remember Im- immature, the R and B group? Yeah, I remember. They're them. in the 
third one, I think it is. Yeah, regardless. With that said, let's find out which scenes made a splash. First, I will say the Wax Museum. Hell yeah. Hey, man, it's Willie Nelson. <laughs> Not Willie Nelson, stupid. Colonel Sanders. So we're approaching Halloween. It's October. And this movie, I mean, pretty much plays like a teen movie mm-hmm. or like a 90s comedy. But there's a a scene in the Wax Museum, and the Wax Museum is almost like a haunted house. And it, they're doing this like Scooby-Doo thing. Mm-hmm. So when one group goes in one door, the same group comes yep. out the same, or the other group comes out the same door. And they're always like kind of cat and mouse looking for each other. At, at every turn, they turn around. There's some, they go through this one hallway that's like the haunted house of horrors or Which something. Which is always on, even yeah. when it's closed. Yeah, there's, yes, this is like morning because they've yeah. been out all night chasing. So Yet they're scared. This is, yeah, there's like morning time. They know that these are wax statues, but they're all terrified and firing guns at these statues and stuff. So the wax museum is a, a pretty cool scene, a neat place to have what you think would be the climax to this movie. Which the movie's going to end in five minutes. Except, no, it doesn't. No, it's the anti-climax is the official climax. I have the wax museum scene. I like it at Madame Lawanda's where Demita works. But you brought it up and I think it's an excellent point and all you pool sceners out there, hit us up and let us know what you think on Facebook and Instagram. There is not a wax museum out there in which one wax character no. looks like the authentic character. And what is the appeal of a wax museum anyway? I'll never understand. Because I don't I get don't, it. Are you allowed? I'm not, I don't know if I've been to a wax museum or not. I think I've been to like maybe in... Not the only one I can think of is Madame Tussauds is the only one. No, I don't know. There's more. But are you allowed to take your picture with the wax? Not that you'd want to because they never look right. No, they don't look right. But I'm pretty sure you can't touch them. So they're behind ropes and stuff. (laughs) It's just the appeal of a wax museum is super weird. And as you guys are watching this, we're watching it like we always review before we record. The only decent wax character to me seemed to be Batman. Yeah. And but it's, it's only, you only yeah, get the, the right. mouth. Yeah, exactly. And that's it. Michael I Keaton. I don't think I've ever seen a real good wax statue. So. No, I have not. Weird. Okay, so mine would have to be, my first one, is Blade teaching Duncan slang. Oh, yeah. It's like, you don't kick some butt, you be kicking some ass. You don't hit on a girl. You'll be hitting on a bitch! Okay, I get it. I use the word be followed by the gerund or the first person singular of the verb. You know, like I be going home or I be getting a good mark this year in class. That's hype! Especially how to say bitch. Yes. Now, he always goes, does that have to be the past participle? Is that the first gerund? No, he's yeah. trying to explain the, the gravity of the word bitch in be- anything with a B. You're going to be there. You're going to bitch. Yeah. You know, stuff like that. I think it's fantastic. I love it. Like I said, kid coming out of his shell as the character of Duncan Penderhuis. Okay, next one I have is the actual climax of the movie which is the Knowledge Bowl. So during the Knowledge Bowl, it's like a a game show, like a local game show where they're going against uh, St. Mary's maybe. It's a Catholic. St. Peter's. St. Peter's. They're going against Catholic school. And Duncan obviously is the star of the show. He knows all the answers. We do have, what's that one kid's name? There's a a nerdy (laughs) kid. A white nerdy kid who basically gives eyes to Blade is Duncan when he's trying to explain yeah, so when, sexuality as in relation to automobiles. Yes. Rashid. Yeah. So the teacher in that scene, Blade is essentially comparing 
sex to fuel injection to fuel injection and showing like a diagram of cards doing a dissertation and the teacher's like what's this have to do with anything and he's like <laughs> where does most sex take place which yeah. is an easily disputed claim because i don't think most sex is happening in a car full disclosure i've never had the sex in the car never i've never had it before yeah you never had i've never no i've had sex just not in a car okay so hand yeah. job count <laughs> yeah yeah I okay guess. i had I that all right. Well, he so the teacher says, oh, you know, sexual intercourse is a product of breeding environment, something like that. But this nerd kid is sitting in the back looking at Blade like I don't buy any of this. Like I fucking. So up. anyway, that nerd kid later in the movie at this scene in Knowledge Bowl, they have name tags in front of him. His name is Rashid. It doesn't make any sense. <laughs> it but, doesn't look like a Rashid. Uh, so Duncan answers most of the questions yep. until they get to the tiebreaker final question for high schoolers yes high school students with nuns in the audience and as soon as and again we got fruity and gogo in the crowd supporting their friend you've got the guy in jail the cop who is now dating the secretary's with the big boobs yes that duncan set up the question is in shakespeare's much ado about nothing to die means and blade rings in (laughs) and he says to pop that to have a sexual orgasm. Mm-hmm. So he answers the question correctly, wins Knowledge Bowl, which we could talk about now or talk about in logic. The winning team of Knowledge Bowl, there's five kids on the team. They get a, a trip for two to Hawaii. Who's going? Who's going? It's, Who gets to go to Hawaii? I'm assuming it's probably the principal, the principal and whoever he wants to bring. Yeah, that's weird. It's weird that they would give a trip to Hawaii for two. Plus, isn't this like a local game show? Do you remember when we were kids, little kids, on Channel 5 out of Cleveland, every Sunday, they would have the Academic Challenge. Yeah, I, that's exactly what that I was. I worked for Academic Challenge. Oh, that, that's right. You did. Yeah, Shit, I, I totally forgot. But yeah, I worked on a couple of those shows. I was a camera op. We'd record like eight episodes in one day. It was nuts. So that's exactly what that's compared yeah, to. Yeah, so Knowledge Bowl is pretty good. Blade's mom, super duper proud of him, even though he knew the sex question and nothing else. My next one would be, once again, it's blade teaching duncan how to dance yes. in his bedroom with fruity and gogo yep fruity and gogo fruity and gogo just teach him how to dance he's it's, doing like bird moves he's fucking flailing you know what not as a kid watching this movie as an 11 year old kid you really don't know how to dance so when i saw this movie i tried to learn some of the dance moves and i mean basic like when he's doing the hand cross thing to the out to the end of the out that move if you guys will, once you guys see this movie, you'll know exactly what I'm talking about. But like you said, the best friends you could possibly have, your two tough guys are sitting on Duncan's twin-sized bed, cheering him on as he can't dance for shit. No, it, it doesn't make sense that he can't dance again because... No, no sense whatsoever. If he can kick field... And I understand kicking field goals <laughs> is a lot different from dancing. But you need but a it, rhythm. But it's the approach. Yeah, it's, The approach it's of kicking field goals is that he looks at it like he's so smart that he looks at it from this physics point of view. He breaks it down. So why isn't he smart enough to be like, look at dancing from a calculated physics point of view? I would kind of compare it to the scene in The Hangover where Zach Galifianakis' character is in Vegas and he sees all these numbers as he's trying to count cards. That's how he should see dancing. Right. As a rhythmic step where A leads to B leads to C. Yeah, I mean, it's it's a, one of the funniest scenes in the movie, though, so I'm glad it's a great that one. they didn't fix it in the script. And the reason that he's learning how to dance is leads me to my, my last best scene I'm going to talk about. When they first meet 
Polly Shore as Julian. So, but, but my name is Julian Thomas, and I'm the Weasel Hawk, and I'm organizing the stoniest drug rally, I mean anti-drug rally, and dance tomorrow night, and my lobes just experienced you the great bondage that you and drugs are not like a killer comp. And I fully think that's me. So Julian Thomas (laughs) comes up to them in the hallway. He's the weasel. And he tells them that he's doing an anti-drug concert. And the only drug that is ever mentioned within this movie is Yayo, a.k.a. cocaine. Well, yeah. And it says crack is whack on Mm -hmm. the banner. So, yeah. So he, Julian comes up to both Duncan and Blade who are seen together a lot, which is also maybe a logic thing, is because this is supposed to be the super genius nerd, and this is supposed to be like the baddest man who scares adults. No way in real life would they ever be around each other. They're always together, and nobody ever questions Mm -hmm. it. It's weird. But anyway, Julian comes up to them, and he says, hey, man, you're Blade Brown. You've got this reputation. I want you to come rap at our anti-drug concert where I will have five topless dancers <laughs> from sloppy Sue's. Yeah, for a high school concert i got five topless dancers from sloppy Sue's. they're gonna have pumps minis and the fake cones are gonna be chilling the woods are gonna be created down below i <laughs> I, I unaffiliated from the high school but i think it's held at the high school and we've been to our fair share of strip clubs none of which have ever had the word sloppy Ugh, no th- now some of the dancers in there might be sloppy but the name of the place is not gonna have the word sloppy yeah in it. i i was you know we talked about this a little bit i was in philadelphia getting a vhs tattoo because guys pool sceners out there i am committed to film so much that you I are big time have a tattoo of a vhs tape but anyway i was in philadelphia there was a strip club named buck rubs <laughs> they looked like it was in a shed in the woods. It was terrifying. Buck rubs with fuck tubs. So anyhow, the reason he's learning how to dance, they decide they're going to do this concert. So he has to get ready somehow in the span of 24 hours, learns how to rap, learns all his words, learns his verses and learns how to dance because they go to this concert and it goes off without a hitch. That rap, like you said, kid raps way better than play. But there are a lot of ADR issues yeah, in this there, movie. There's a ton. There's a movie mistake there where one of them is offbeat. And Kid I, is. And I, I don't think he's actually offbeat. I think it's like an editing mistake. I think it's a post-edit. Weird. It's a off. weird yeah, little moment there. All right. So my last one, and you brought it up briefly at the very end when <laughs> Meshach Taylor, Duncan's dad, hears sex going on in Duncan's room, and he's thinking... Him and Blade are going at it. Yeah. And he he's afraid to look. He's afraid to look. He barges in to notice that Duncan and Detiti are having sex and he is overjoyed. Yeah. Like he's just standing there. They're having they're trying to have sex. And he I think believe he offers her wa- yeah. offers her water. Yes, it's awesome. He says, young lady, do you need anything? An extra pillow <laughs> under your head, a, a beverage. And he goes back to bed with his wife. And he said, oh, it was just Duncan and a fine lady, and she is stacked. And the wife seems flabbergasted for two seconds, but somehow it gets her horny. Yeah. And that's how the movie ends. So the th- I don't know if it's the thought of her son having sex or the thought of <laughs> the girl that her son's having. And sex I told with. you, I was like, they should all just four have sex together. No, no, Why the hell not? Nope. Edit that out, Jim. That was my uh, last scene, though. Yeah, yeah. so 
Yeah, it's super weird. The mom gets real turned on by the thought of her son having having sex. So also, I, the song. Here's the you new. Know, I just thought of this real quick. Pool sceners. When you watch this movie, every time they play the class act theme song or the Detiti theme song, take a shot. You yeah. will be drunk in three minutes yes, in this and movie. And that is, and the words are really just class act. Work, work that, that body. body. So. I've said before, if we ever get a, a Patreon, we are going to, I will release the names of my working titles for these episodes. Because for whatever reason, when I, I use the notes app on my phone, I never put the actual title of the movie. Like instead of class act for this episode, I put work that body. Work that body. So nice. this week's episode was work that body, if we were to name it. So, but speaking of music, they play Hammer Time or what's it called? You can't, uh, touch, you can't this. touch this. Can't, you, play, you can't touch this about six times and they play <laughs> class act, work that and body. SWV about six times. And yeah. So, but with that said, let's talk about some music. So, Jim, why don't you put on your hat, your whistle, your sunglasses, whatever you need? Oh, yeah. Bull check. Before we move on to our pool check selections, I do want to take a minute and I want to paint a scene for the audience. It's a beautiful, sunny summer day. Maybe you spent the morning working in your garage, working with the garage door open, working on your car, whatever. As your neighbors, you know, they walk by, they drive by, you see moms pushing strollers, you see people walking dogs, and maybe you have a Trans Am, maybe you have a Firebird. You head to the public pool to spend the whole perfect afternoon. After your day at the pool, maybe you grab some beers and you head to a party. During all of this, one band is all that's needed as a soundtrack. That band is Van Halen. Unfortunately, on October 6th, which was yesterday, Eddie Van Halen passed away. He had a few battles with cancer, and inarguably, Eddie Van Halen is the greatest guitar player of all time. He changed guitar playing and music forever. He did the uh, solo on Beat It amongst mm -hmm. everything he and did. And he wanted it uncredited. He did yes. not want to be credited for yeah. that. Eddie is incredible. I don't know if there was anything you wanted to share personally about Eddie. Growing up as a kid, my mom would take me over to my Aunt Stephanie's house, and she had two sons, Brian and Stephen. Brian, who has won previously a gift from us. Now, I would go over there, and that was the first time I was ever subjected to, at the time, David Lee Roth Van Halen, and the first thing i ever heard was pound cake that riff eddie van halen now a lot of people will say you know Jimi hendrix was great and Jimi hendrix was great too but to me eddie van halen is the greatest guitarist that ever lived revolutionized yes, tapping. he revolutionized tapping he yes. didn't create tapping uh it was something going on but not in any sort of applicable music like he he took it from somewhere else and he he has patents on inventions. He had a, a guitar stand essentially that would flip out from his body so that he could do the tapping and sort of play his guitar like a piano. And when 1984 came out, Eddie saw that keyboards and synthesizers yes. are the next big thing, and yeah. especially on MTV. So what do you do? Listen to Jump. That's Eddie that's, Van Halen right that's there. That's when Van Halen is like shot into the stratosphere. It was jumped and hot for teacher, yeah, then when Panama. They got, yes, when they got the synthesizer, it just was like, whoa, this is great. But Van Halen is one of the most recognizable bands of all time due to Eddie's guitar. And yeah, like, like you said, Hendrix, great guitar player. Mm -hmm. he, Hendrix didn't essentially change guitar playing no he was just great at oh he's it. phenomenal jimmy was amazing eddie van halen changed guitar playing yes and eddie like the beat it riff if you read about that he did it in one take yep he was just like i'll, I'll do it and it was like you know and it's the fact that he didn't even want his name on it and van, that was right before van halen really took oh, yeah. off yeah i believe they had 
three albums before that came out. And then right after that came out, 1984 came out. A weird fact about Eddie Van Halen is that he didn't like to go by Eddie. He was universally known as Eddie, Mm -hmm. but he was Edward. Mm -hmm. And he wanted to be called Edward, which is just a weird, you know, it's like a personal thing, but it's like if you were really friends with him, you probably knew him as Edward, but to everybody else. And and the biggest misconception is that the band was named after just him. Yeah. You have to remember his brother, brother. Alex was the drummer and they originally were on opposite instruments. Exactly. So originally Eddie was on drums and his brother was on guitar. But then when he heard his brother play the wipeout solo, he was like something about the guitar spoke to him and they switched instruments and the rest is history. If they hadn't switched instruments, who knows? And a lot of people look at Van Halen now and a lot of it is the strife between the band and David Lee Roth, the band and Sammy Hagar. And there was a Gary Sharon period that we're not even going to acknowledge his existence, but I don't want that to cloud the fact that Eddie Van Halen was tremendous. He had a a big influence in my life when it came to music and and I'm going to miss the guy. And of course, Twister, one of our favorite movies of all time. Humans being not only did they put a song on the soundtrack, he was the music supervisor for that movie. So Mm -hmm. So, another cool thing, his son Wolf Wolfgang is in Van Halen now. Yeah, he became the bassist after Michael Anthony left. So how he got to play in Van Halen with his dad, which is he'll for how many years is amazing. Just awesome, awesome thing. So rest in power, Eddie. Yes. Edward. Yes. Rest in peace, Edward. With that said, the pool check every week we do music videos for the year of the movie that we are covering. Our favorite music videos, not necessarily the best. We actually hadn't covered 1992, which we're excited about because it's a banger of a year. It is a banger of a year. Again, like some other years, some of these songs are released in 91 and no video till 92. Yeah. Vice versa. So just bear with us. Yeah, you we're know, taking please, it as 92. Be kind. Do you want to go first? Do you want me to go first? You go first. Okay. So my number five was a video that was ahead of its time, but in an unfortunate way. It was Pearl Jam Jeremy. Oh, heck yeah. So Jeremy, the song and the video are about a kid who is bullied and tortured to the point where he becomes a school shooter. Yeah. And this was 92, so... Seven years before Columbine. Seven years before Columbine. There were other school shootings, but nothing... So sometimes this song gets blamed for school shootings, for putting the idea in these kids' heads. So uh, the video is kind of shot like... Say by the Bell Freeze is like what I think of. Timeout. Yeah, like a timeout where the camera kind of rotates around these characters who are, are frozen and seen. But Jeremy brings a, a gun to class. There was some controversy as to whether Jeremy shot himself or shot his classmates. And I don't know with 100% certainty whether that was ever cleared up. Not that it matters. Yeah. I mean, is it better if he shoots himself in his, rather than his classmates? I don't know. But uh, so Pearl Jam Jeremy, just because how crazy is it that a video broached that subject and at the time in which it broached it yes and you know got serious airplay despite being like wow this is this is heavy and you used to compare eddie vetter to a scott step so there you go no i never <laughs> compared eddie vetter to <laughs> no scott i did because their voices yeah. almost sounded similar so this is gonna go polar opposite from jeremy for my number five sir mix a lot baby got back yeah. so from school shootings to one of Shoot up an ass, yeah. I guess another way to Shoot put it. Shoot up an ass. Shoot up an ass with, you know, yeah. juice. And <laughs> it's just 
This video is the craziest. It looks like they made it for $20. It's, yeah. it's super cheap. It's just ass. Fake ass He's everywhere. He's standing on a gigantic ass. And the craziest thing about this song, like I said, I, I've DJ. This is the ultimate drunk white girl yes. song. Yep, it's a way. Everybody knows the words. Nicki Minaj sampled it with Anaconda. Because everybody knows Anaconda, you don't want none unless you got buns, hun. But you know what else is crazy? It's not even related to this song. I remember my mom buying me this on cassette. And yeah. I was 11 when it yeah. came out. I think it might have been edited. However, the song after this on the album is called Seattle Ain't Bullshitting. So when you go from Baby Got Back and hear Sir Mixlaw just dropping F-bombs left and right, it's absolutely I, insane. I feel a little bit bad. Not bad, because <laughs> imagine coming out with a song the magnitude of Baby Got Back. Oh, yeah. He's still making money from this song. Oh, he's getting, yeah. We're raking in the dough. He's set for life from this one song. But Sir Mix-a-Lot had some legitimately good rap songs. Really good. Like Posse on Broadway and Swass and all these other ones. But he will forever be remembered. Not that there's any shame in being remembered for Baby Got Back. It just became, like you said, a wedding gimmick song. It's also became the ass anthem before Back That Ass Up seven yes. years later. Yeah. So there you wow, go. Wow, that was only seven years later. Seven years later, Nuts. 99. My number four, Arrested Development, Tennessee. Oh, yeah. take me to It won the VMA for Best Rap Video that year, and which was a big surprise. But it was like uh, like smart rap and rap with a message, not not a public enemy type message, but like a, a positive message. They also had Mr. Wendell too, which they was did. another they, amazing Mr. Wendell, answer. and then they, I think they're rich from suing Fox over the name Arrested Development over the sitcom. So, but they which didn't. I think the group was better than the TV show. Sorry, saying it out there. I like the TV show, but the memorable line from this song is the lady mumbling and she ultimately ends up saying like somebody went somewhere and this person went this place and then she says, Headliner, I challenge you to a game of horseshoes, a game of horseshoes. That's in that song. It's so weird. So that's my number four. My number four. I can't not include this guy in my top five. 1992 Dangerous came out. By Michael Jackson. However, I'm picking Jam. Yeah. Because it had two amazing people in this video, Michael Jordan and Macaulay Culkin yeah. doing the voiceover rap part. I love this video because it was basically Michael Jordan just dunking. Yeah. That's all it was. Yeah, it was. It and was, then Macaulay Culkin. It was almost like a cash grab for Michael that he didn't need to do. Never did. Because Michael was... He was Michael. He's the biggest thing in the world. Unless he just wanted to for fun, he essentially wrote a song for Michael Jordan to dunk to. Like, and this came out at a perfect time. The Bulls just won their second championship against the Blazers. The Dream Team swept the globe. However, I was always shocked that this song didn't get more traction on NBA broadcasts in general. Yeah. It never really no, got that much traction. Use it for highlight videos or anything like and that. And this, I believe... You know, correct me if I'm wrong out there, pool seniors. I'm pretty sure this was track one on this album. I don't remember. I think it was because, yeah, remember the time was number five. Black and white was number eight. Well, I think there's some synergy to that pick in this movie class act because after they rap, Demita's is walking home with Duncan and she said, where'd you learn to do all that? And he he said, jam, Jimmy, jam, 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 the streets. And, yeah. And he says, jam. And I just I think like in my mind, he's singing Michael Jackson's jam. Yeah. Anything else to say about Jam? Nope, that was okay. my number four. My number three, you had mentioned your mom buying you Sir Mix-a-Lot, and I think about some of the crazy cassettes my mom bought me, and some of the process, like the thought 
making in my mind. I remember buying Gillette short dick man. Why would I want that? I was like <laughs> an 11 year old boy. Why would I want that song? But my number three. Alan Jackson. Yes. My number three. Not very Alan Jackson. It's right said Fred. I'm too sexy. Close enough. So this song was used in every movie. It's st- it's used ever. in every commercial still. These guys and these guys were gay skinheads. They were racist, gay. They were skinheads? Yes. They were former skinheads. They were racist, gay skinheads? Yes, they were racist, gay skinheads. Was that the original name of the band? No, it wasn't. But it was used in, I'm pretty sure it was used in D2 Mighty Duck. It was definitely used in one of our favorites, Airborne. It's right. During the, where Wiley is trying to put on different clothes to go out on his date with Gloria. But yeah, it's... It's just an insane This was song. in every model commercial. Yeah. I'm too sexy for my shirt. And then I think even like Taylor Swift did a nod to it in a recent yeah. song. I it's, never knew they were racist skinheads. Yeah, there's... Wow. I tried to look it up today before, because we'll say allegedly, but I thought that they were in this band called... I'm not even going to say it because I don't want our audience to look it up. Yeah. But there's a a, a Nazi skinhead hardcore band that's just like so racist and i thought that two of these guys were in that band previously who would have thought right said fred the word right would have meant something completely different yeah. now than it did in 92 alt right said fred <laughs> jesus I, I'm, I'm kind of blown away because i just learned that my number three is a song very close to my heart i said if i were to ever get married for some reason i'd love to sing this to my bride and this would be, a lot of people think it's just Jamie Walters. It's not. It's the heights. How do you talk to an angel? This was the theme song to the very, very, very short-lived TV show on Fox called The Heights. Is that spinoff of 90210? It was right? a spinoff on 90210. However, the character to Jamie Walters played in 90210, who he threw Donna down a flight of stairs. And he's had, you know, multiple conversations saying this kind of ruined my television career was the fact that people thought I was Ray from 90210. I don't beat up women. <laughs> I that was a character on the show. So they put him in a show called The Heights, where it's just these guys, one of which in Hepcat, who was on PCU. Oh, okay, yeah. So he was in that show. Alex, like Alex. I can't remember his last Alex dessert. So it's just these guys come together. They're just a band. I think they're pretty sure they filmed this out in Los Angeles, but this was the theme song. It's one of the greatest slow songs. It's also on every retail radio show or network in every retail outlet across this country. It's a great wholesome song. So basically what you see in the opening credits of the Heights is the music video to this song. That's all it is, because for the longest time, I thought all the people in the Heights, minus Alex, actually played the actual instruments. No, it was just Jamie Walters and him. But Jamie Walters had a great voice. It was a shame he got pigeonholed because of his character in 90210, but it's an excellent song. How could I not put this at number three? How could I not talk to an angel? (laughs) Uh, My number two is a song and a video for me that changed everything. It was like like an eye-opening... Between, I mean, in 1992, I was nine. You know, I turned nine in December of 92. So probably was eight. And you're about that age and you go to school with pretty girls and you start to notice them. Mm-hmm. Boys to men, end of the road. Oh, hell yeah. Boomerang soundtrack. And it's like, 
it's just so much emotion and it's it's just this slow R&B song. The video is like black and white, but there are clothes like pop color, like you've seen it, like Owen Mills photography and stuff. Because <laughs> what it looks shots. like, the glamour shots, the video. But yeah, this song just changed like my outlook on things. Like you just, I don't know. You just, you know what I'm trying to say. You have this I know exactly nostalgia what and this feeling for this song. This. In full disclosure, this was also my number two. I remember being in middle school, and I don't know how many other middle school slash junior highs had their, like, school paper. And I use the word paper real loosely. It's yeah. like six pieces of paper telling yeah. you, hey, this is what's lunch today. But they would have song dedications. It was I'll Make Love to You, which I didn't know what that meant being yes. uh, in middle school. I thought that meant kissing. And then End of the Road, when yeah. somebody was breaking up with somebody. I would still get requests to this very day at weddings. Hey, man, can you play like no. End of the Road? No. I'm like, do you know what that means? Yeah. But like for the longest time, I would also say I'm not going to play Lady in Red because I thought it was a song about a guy going after a prostitute and leaving his wife. And I was completely wrong brings, about it. Brings a hooker to a wedding. Yeah. And I was completely wrong. But people. Yeah. End of the Road. It's like uh, before this, it's almost like my mind had never considered like wanting to dance with a girl mm. or wanting to hug a girl or just something. ignore what the meaning of the yeah, words are. It's like, yes, exactly. But you, I love you. But guess what? This shit's <laughs> done. You hear, well, I had a, fr <laughs> I had a friend a couple years later whose song with his girlfriend was water runs dry. Oh. And actually you had a song. <laughs> don't was, leave me girl don't by, leave Black me Street. by Black Street. <laughs> don't leave me girl. How romantic. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's just something, you know, this song's like an awakening for you. I love 90s R&B, and this was like sort of the jump off. You know, after this, you got one that I don't think is going to be your number one, but like uh, Shy, If I Ever Fall in Love. Oh, but the acapella version. Yeah, the acapella shy. version, not with the music, but no. like that happened in 92, and then a lot of these... And know, End of the Road was on the Boomerang soundtrack. Yes. Yeah. This wasn't Which released. Boomerang's great because Eddie oh. Murphy has like a trillion dollar apartment mm -hmm. in Boomerang. So, because he's an ad executive, which is there. That's what they always are in movies. My number one, a nine minute video that I did not like as a kid, but I appreciate it now because it's full of symbolism. And as far as I see it, it kind of was the end of this band. It's Guns N' Roses, November Rain. Oh my God. It's like a movie, a music video about Axel gets married. These were events on MTV. Yeah, they were big deals. And Axel gets married and has a beautiful wedding. And then his wife dies. I don't remember in the video how she dies. Slash does a real long-ass guitar solo outside of a church. Speaking of another great guitarist. Yeah, outside of a church. And uh, it's, yeah, it's about mourning the death of his wife. It's awesome video. You can watch it now. There's a cool Regina Spector lyric about... Um, they played November Rain twice because the DJ was asleep. I always think about that now. Yeah, that's it. I and don't forget, at our local mall, the Eastwood Mall, every November, yeah. well, before COVID, they there did. was the fireworks celebration November Rain. I think they still did it this year. Well, not this year, well, not, but last year yeah. before COVID. Yeah. yeah. So that's another big thing. That's the, Use Your Illusion 1 and 2 are just ridiculously great rock albums. Yeah. So my number one, I mean, how could I not, especially now, this is already on my list. Full disclosure, this was going to be my number two, but recent events have moved it to number one. It's Van Halen right now. This, once again, like your song, holds a lot of weight. Right now, the video holds a lot of weight because it talks about issues that are going on in the world of 1992. There would be images and like signs that would pop up about being aware of your surroundings, uh, violence, all this other things. 
But like with Eddie dying yesterday, I've listened to maybe six Van Halen albums. This album, uh, the fuck album, which is yeah. for unlawful carnal knowledge, which I believe that's what the F word originated. Yeah. From. Fuck. Yep. This song, that opening riff, right now was always used by quite a bit of, especially the NBA, right before tip-off. Oh, yeah. It's a great tip-off song, that opening piano riff. Yeah, the build. The build is such a great song. It's a great video, too, if you guys want to go revisit it. Like I said, it holds a lot of weight to all of the bullshit that we're dealing with right now. So, right now, number one, rest in peace, Eddie. Okay, I wish we had a guest lifeguard this week, but we do not. So Jim, what? No Jordan from Real Genius? No. Oh, <laughs> damn it! Yes, with our Laszlo Aqualung. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so Jim, why don't you let him know? Everybody, back in the pool. Do appreciate the Alan Jackson <laughs> fact of the week. That's a big every week. Of, that's going to be a new segment. Big pop for me. I can't wait to hear about the Chattahoochee. <laughs> It does get hotter than a hoochie coochie. Get in play. We're only in five movies, but they did seem to have a bigger cultural impact than being in only five movies. They were in this and then four house party movies. So they were only in five. Five movies total. I thought they would have been in more than that. They were in five movies. And uh, this seemed to happen a lot in the late 80s, early 90s with people like Kid and Play and somebody else who was in this movie. Polly Shore, mm-hmm. you would get a or Carrot Top or Yahoo Serious. You'd get somebody who would oh just... Oh my God, you yeah. referenced Yahoo Serious. Yeah, we're going to do Young, Young Einstein. We're going to do Young Einstein eventually. But you'd get somebody who would pop up. They'd get their shit in. They'd do three, four, five movies, a TV show, an album. And get the hell out. And get the hell out and mm-hmm. disappear. You know, they didn't have sustainability. So is there anyone that I'm missing that you can think of? Anyone that's... I because what in this movie? No, or just in general. Just in general. I was like Dougie Fresh. Because this doesn't. Well, Dougie Fresh. Sanka Coffee. Well, Dougie Doug. Did I say Dougie Fresh? Yeah. Whoops. Dougie Fresh, the rapper. Yeah. But yeah, there was. There's not really much of a modern equivalent anymore. I mean, you have like your. You still have maybe one hit wonders or like your William Hungs or something. But you know, back at this time, it, like I said, it was just such a weird point in time where somebody would just like catch fire and just happen all at once it'd be like movies music jessica simpson yeah there's there's a decent one yeah you think about it newlyweds she could never employ the she month could never go toe-to-toe with like britney christina mandy moore she was always that well what helped her is being married to nick lachey yeah that helped her out a lot yes well we'll we'll think about it maybe we'll revisit it just interesting point the kid and play were only in five movies because it seems like a lot I, more I, I gotta have to watch the house party movies i've always that. been curious Okay, so I guess make your own segue from the aforementioned careers to logic. I brought it up a couple times, but I'm going to say my first, actually really my only logic point that I wrote down at least is in gym class, Duncan, you find out he's the greatest football kicker who's ever lived. Mm -hmm. And this whole movie, the whole reason for this movie is Duncan, we don't know the circumstances, but moved to this school Mm -hmm. and he has to pass gym. And if he passes gym class, he gets to go to his dream school, Hafford University. Like, why the hell would that matter if he passes gym if he's going to be an academian? Exactly. It has absolutely nothing to do. They would let it slide based on his... He has a perfect SAT score. They would let it slide if he didn't pass gym. And honestly, how could you not just pass? Because you show up. Just get a C or Shirts whatever. Shirts and skins. C's get degrees. Pass the ball. So... 
but he it turns out he's the greatest kicker that's ever lived because he uses his brain to calculate wind and distance and yeah we don't know how long he was kicking that field goal in that scene yeah we don't know if it's a 50 yarder an 80 yard we don't know what it is five yarder so my big gripe is that we don't get an in-movie payoff for that we find out the coach is like you're going to join the football team they couldn't have written one scene revolving around actually seeing him or a throwaway in a foot like what if he went to kick in a football game and Wedge ran out on the field or something. Yeah. Or what if Blade needed him to be somewhere and he was like, I can't. I got a football game. Just literally show me a football game because the reason that it makes it even worse is because during the epilogue, we find out two batshit things. One, <laughs> Blade goes to Hafford. Mm-hmm. So Duncan's dream school that he needed to pass phys ed to join Blade goes to that school. Him and Ellen helped him. Blade was in jail. <laughs> I'm willing to bet he's put people in intensive Blade care. Blade is probably not even a senior. No. He's thrown away his entire high school career being a criminal. Neither here nor there, whatever. But he's just not a student. So maybe when Duncan tells us that Blade went to... I just... Schools like that look at your entire history of academics. Mm-hmm. Blade has probably gotten the worst grades you could possibly get up to this point. How does he go to Hafford? It makes no sense. Blade, even though, like I told you, watching this movie, he doesn't come off like a hard ass. He just doesn't. But they're trying to portray his character. I had this guy when I was in seventh grade who failed three times. Great. If he would have stayed with my class and graduated, he would have been 22 when he graduated. We had a girl get married in eighth grade. Everybody has to get married sometime. I, I think she was a little older, but it was like, yeah, it, she came to school in her wedding dress. It was, oh no, that was high school. That was high school. <laughs> Close enough. Yeah, but still, but still. Yeah. But like we, we've talked about previously during the Star Trek four episode, when Dr. Jillian Taylor at the end, there's no payoff of what happened yeah. to her. We don't know. Did she go there? Well, Where'd she go? Like well, same here. No. So payoff. anyway, so yeah, Blade goes to Hafford. Shouldn't because it makes no sense. But even more baffling is that Duncan kicking field goals, we never see, but we're to assume that in his one year, in his his senior year, is the only year he's ever played football is good enough. He performs well enough that he gets a scholarship to Stanford, which his academics are fine for for Stanford. They would love to have him academically, but he performs well enough to play football at Stanford. What the hell happens after that? Does he become an NFL pro kicker? I was going to say, what happened if they would have said him like, oh, he's now the kicker for the Miami Dolphins? Yeah, it's something weird. so strange. It's so strange that this one year of getting a little snatch and... <laughs> coochie. Yes, getting a little coochie yeah. and rapping, getting a new hairstyle and whatever else it is that he does in this senior year leads him to a situation to where he throws away everything he wanted to do, which was go to Hafford. Yeah. He just, he just says, I'm not going to Hafford. I'm going to be a kicker at Stanford. Mm-hmm. Weird. All right. I have one that kind of leads directly into another one at the school. Higgins High, home of the Wolves. Oh, big Wolves fan out there. There is a secret wing for the <laughs> yeah. smart kids. It's behind a gated door for the smart kids. And I would assume the rich well, kids. Do you see the regular hallways? Yeah, it's, it's graffiti. The they have to like knock the chain off the fence open the fence and they the students run in like cattle and they push them in which like i said though most diverse school i've ever seen yes it's 
unreal. But they go into these doors. The, the hallway is cordoned off. It, the halls are perfectly painted. It's very elegant. It's for all the smart kids. We are to assume Blade, who is now Duncan, who still doesn't know what the hell is going on, proceeds to sit in his class, and Carla from Cheers is the teacher and is immediately enamored with who she thinks is Duncan, to the point you're thinking she slips him his her number, yeah. and she wants to bang him. It's weird. They are... 17 years old, 18 years old. So Carla from Cheers wants to openly bang her student. She's Mary Kay Letourneau. She, oh my God. She's Mary Kay before Mary Kay was Mary Kay. Yep. But I always found that weird. And then on top of it within this school, in the principal's office, who the principal has played numerous, numerous things. He has a row of fucking baseball bats that we're supposed to expect are for disciplinary reasons, but he has different colored bats for different situations, and he threatens to almost beat the shit out of Duncan, who he believes is Blade. Yeah, he's going to call the cops on him. Yeah, call the cops on him for no purpose whatsoever. This whole school, logistically, makes no sense. No. No sense whatsoever. No, nothing nothing about this. I mean, we see some cops in this movie, which is different from uh, most of the movies we cover. Yeah. Because when they they break into the wax museum in the middle of the morning... (laughs) You know, the cops actually show up, so that's good. And the principal threatens to call the cops on on who he thinks is Blade just for standing up. But yeah, I will say that's a big difference in this movie, that there's some police. Yeah. There's some other logic things. Not much worth mentioning. Not, nothing that really... What, you don't want to mention the Wax Museum secret portal? Oh, yeah, there you go. <laughs> uh, while Demita and Duncan are being chased by Wedge, Demita says, come here, I know a shortcut. And she opens a little, like a flap door that leads into the vents. <laughs> and then they come out... In a Halloween area. And it knocks over a display that's in front of the door. Why would there be doors to the vent systems it's weird another thing i'm curious about after rewatching this wedge's character to me it seems like it was initially supposed to be tiny lister that was supposed to be wedge to me i don't know why but that's the thing that stuck out to me that i could have seen tiny lister in this role of wedge i i guess the logic thing for wedge is that he suffers a major head injury in every scene in this movie you have any extra bullets uh i think so good Wait, wait, wait. You do, do you or don't you have any? Yeah, yeah. All right, I'm going to need them. No, I don't. He Every time dead. you see Wedge, he gets hit over the head with something, goes head first into something, like gets punched, gets slapped, gets something. He has TBI. Yeah, he definitely has... Uh, CT at least. At least. So yeah, I, I didn't want to mention too much else in logic. No, I'm good. Legacy for this movie. I, I will say... It's my favorite kid and play movie. Um, somebody might put up a fight. The house party's better, but you the first house that. party. Yeah, the first house party's better. I don't know. I think uh, class acts probably better. Seeing this movie now, would you say so? Last week we oh. had a movie that we turned on. Yeah, the revelation. Because most of the movies we cover on this podcast, every once in a while, we had one this season that I hadn't seen, which was Star Trek. So Star Trek Four. Next next season we're gonna have one that Jim hasn't seen, at least one. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, but we've seen most of these movies. So when we watch them, it's always interesting if it's been a while. Since we've seen some, then I watch this one pretty regularly, but mm. it's, it's 1992. Yeah. It's to me, it's as good as it was when I was a kid 
except I just seen it so many times that, you know, I, I know what's at every every turn, every corner. It, it, to me, I still like it. Not yeah. like Grind, where I don't think I could ever watch no, Grind I ever I again. Watch Grind ever again. So. No. The big thing about this movie in particular, no Vince Velouf. Yeah. Good. Thank God. Yeah. There's a, a couple characters from this movie that went on to be in Martin. Uh, Tommy. Yeah. Mink goes on to play Tommy. There's another one. I can't remember who. Demita is in Boys in the Hood. Oh, just good. That Ricky scene, I, I brought it up to Kevin. You just had to zig Ricky. God, that's all you had to do. Just Ricky. don't run in a straight You're almost line. out. Okay, stick around for some plugs. Once again, pool sceners, thank you for checking out the pod this week. Remember, if you want to know what's going on, any updates, any exciting things coming around the corner, check us out on Facebook and Instagram at Pool Scene Podcast, also at Pool Scene Pod on the Twitter. Also, if you want to drop us a line, send us an email at Pool Scene Podcast at gmail.com. Any movie ideas. We have some amazing movies coming up. If there's a movie you want us to cover, let us know. You're on the journey with us. And now back to Kevin. All right. Thanks, everyone, uh, for sticking with us. Uh, you have now reached the payoff that is... The landing strip. Yes. I will say this week, I want, before we part, I want to say, please vote. Just, you know, go to your board of elections and vote early, vote by mail. Just make sure, I, I think it's too late in Ohio, but wherever you are, check your registration. Make sure you can go and vote on election day. Check where your polling place is. Check your... Early voting has started here in Ohio. Yes, now. it has. So uh, millions check, have already voted. You know, check your backup plan. Know your rights. Know you know if there's anybody blocking the polling place, that sort of thing. Just know the laws. Know your rights. Probably, I mean, it gets said every election, but this one is the most important election. Listen, we're not a political podcast here. I, for one, have not kept my opinion to myself. Some needs to be done, people. Enough's enough already. I, I will. I'll, I'll put it a little bit more mild than you would. Yeah. I will say, if you're trying, if you're still undecided for whatever reason, and you're trying to decide between one party and the other, vote for the party that doesn't have actual Nazis, <laughs> or the party who does not openly tout the fact that they're infected with the coronavirus and be completely fine with whoever they infect or kill. Yeah. So please vote. Please vote. It's important. And we are. Yeah. I would say stick around in real time. But essentially, for us, it'll be real time. We will be going on Instagram. I'm sure we'll share it on Facebook as well. We're going to spin the Pool 100 Viewer's Choice Wheel. Eight movies, Kevin. To find out what we will be covering next week for our Viewer's Choice episode. After that, we're going to have our season finale, The Deep End. Ooh and then it's going to be season three with some surprises. So, oh, we're excited, everybody. Uh, please, after this, see if the video's up. I don't know how soon we'll be putting it up, but refer to Instagram for the Pool 100 Viewer's Choice Wheel. We're going to do a, a video. I think this is the first time we've done it. We're going to do our first video. Okay. Thanks, everybody, for joining us. Stay wet. Silencia. Silencia.